Thank you, Greg. Morning, church. Delight to be with you, to be able to open God's Word again, uh, finishing off the Sermon on the Plain. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Would you join me briefly? Father, thank you for um, these words long written down for us, for the way that you used the apostles and the prophets and the Spirit of Christ to give us the words we need so that our souls could have a firm foundation and to be able to even stand up in the time of trial when it comes for us. Uh, would you help us this morning to hear his words and not just be those who hear, but those who trust him and who build our very lives on his words. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You've heard it said that if you're a homeowner, you would better be ready for a rainy day. That's good financial advice that TJ and Victoria Britton took to a whole nother level back in June of this year. Uh, there are homeowners that have a home in a very beautiful spot. It was in Yosemite Natural, National Park, uh, overlooking a river, just idyllic view, perfect. Um, unfortunately, some torrential rains came, and as a result, the river going by their house got higher and faster than anyone had ever seen it. And quickly, their beautiful house became more and more precarious. The uh, soil beneath it began to erode. And one morning, they woke up to a creaking, popping sound. Luckily, they were able to get out of the house in time and set up their smart smartphone camera to capture the moment when their house broke free and literally went flowing down the river away from them. Uh, if it weren't for the fact that that was their home and all their worldly possessions, it would be funny because it literally looked like a houseboat just floating down the river away. Now, it's true that you need to be ready for a rainy day for your physical house. But this morning, Jesus has a warning for us. So we need to be ready for a different type of rainy day. Not for our physical houses, but for our spiritual ones. For the very seat of our hearts and our souls. And if we're not careful and build, uh, to build the right sort of foundation, then when trials come, we'll find ourselves swept away as well. Uh, this morning, we're going to study a very famous parable that Jesus tells, uh, one that even kids in Sunday school are, will be familiar with, uh, but one that has a word for each of us this morning, that if you build your life on the words of Jesus, even though you may quake and shake, you'll not break because you'll draw strength from the Lord himself. We'll see that in two sections. Uh, first, we'll look at the parable itself and the saying in verse 46 through 49. The parable, a house that is rock steady or ruin ready. And then second, we'll look, draw a number of applications with a question. What will you do with his words? What will you do with the words of Jesus? No more important question than anyone can ever answer in their life. Uh, we'll begin with that first section, the parable and the saying that goes with it. The house is rock steady or ruin ready. Um, if you were with us last week, Pastor Eric uh, explained that Jesus was teaching in the form of ancient wisdom sayings. Um, that is a way of speaking that uses extremely sharp contrasts. There is A or B, black or white, on or off, and nothing in between. Last week, it took the form of two trees and two treasures. 
Well, this week, Jesus continues that idea using these stark contrasts, only he flips the script. Uh, He's going to tell a parable, but before he does that, he explains what the parable is about. Now, look with me in verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Uh, Jesus says there are some, even the disciples that were there hearing him in this great sermon he preached, who said the right words about Jesus. They called him Lord, Lord, uh, twice for emphasis. That is, we're the true disciples, Jesus. We bow to your lordship. If anyone has it right, it must be us. Only there's an issue. Not with their words, but what they failed to do with Jesus' words. Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Instead of taking Jesus' words and building upon them their entire life and finding the strength and security they need, instead they hear his words and ignore them. And as we'll find out in a bit, set themselves up for a great ruin. So that's the explanation of what the parable is going to be about. Um, uh, He does the flip side of the coin, setting up the parable in the next verse. Uh, Verse 48 Uh, uh, 47, sorry. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. And then he launches into the parable. Now, because this is a familiar parable, you've got to be careful that you actually hear what Jesus is saying and just don't go into autopilot. Uh, We have this tendency when we feel like we've heard something to not really hear it when it's said again. Um, I think some people that have uh, some of the least enviable jobs of all are flight attendants. Uh, They know the sensation very well of saying words and even going through the motions when nobody is listening at all. Make sure the belt is pulled low and tight across your lap. Even though the bag does not inflate, oxygen is flowing to the mask. You know, the whole song and dance of the safety rundown they do. I I have to wonder if they ever think to themselves, is anyone really absorbing this? I I know one way they would find out if there ever was an emergency. Lord forbid it ever happened, but if it did, they would find out for sure who was listening and who wasn't. Well, Jesus here tells this parable to show you can't just listen. You've got to live on my words. First example he gives is of a man who builds well. Maybe you're familiar with the children's song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. It gets part of the parable right. Uh, There is a a wise man, a a guy who digs down. He takes the time and effort and expense to get down deep enough to be able to build his house on a solid rock foundation. That proves to be a very good decision indeed because soon it's revealed that this house was built in a sort of floodplain. A rainy day comes along and soon his house's construction is put to the test. Now Jesus was probably thinking of uh, the Galilee, the uh, Judean countryside, where there are for many long stretches of the year uh, dry riverbeds all throughout. Uh, they're called wadis. Um, it's very dry there, so vast majority of the time, if you go to one of these, you'll be able to walk along the bottom of it. It'll feel just as solid as all the rest of the dirt. But twice a year, there's a rainy season, and when that rainy season comes, very quickly those dry riverbeds turn into fast-flowing rivers that can be quite dangerous and wipe away people or, yes, even structures. 
Uh, Jesus imagines that this man who builds his house finds that rainy season torrential rain to come. Says that when the stream broke against it, think of a raging river just going against the side of your house. Makes you cringe if you're a homeowner. But he built well. He built on a firm foundation. So his house stands up under the deluge. Now, there's a flip side, of course. Uh, that song is the foolish man. Uh, in this case, it's a guy who doesn't take the time to expend that time and energy to build, uh, to dig down to the rock. Instead, he just builds right on top of the dirt. That all seemed fine and good. I'm sure at first it was a sunny day. He probably thought, I built myself a wonderful house, saved a pretty penny in doing so. What could go wrong? Until that rainy day came along and that same torrent of water went against the side of that house and it shook and it quaked and eventually it broke and great was the ruin of it. And that is the note of which Jesus chooses to end this great sermon, the Sermon on the Plain. Not with a celebratory note or a note of comfort or hope, but with a resounding thud. And that's designed to make us think. It's one thing to hear the words of Jesus. But the real question is, what will you do with his words? And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time with, our second point this morning. This question we all must answer. What will you do with his words? Uh, in Jesus' parable, the man who built on a solid foundation is the one who hears and does his word who builds a life on top of the very words of Jesus. And the stream that breaks against the house represents the trials and difficulties that pressure us and threaten to topple us. Uh, according to Jesus, if you build on top of his words, that though you might shake and quake, your life will not break. But on the other hand, if you let his words pass on by you, uh, one day, the folly of the way you have been building your life will be revealed, and the ruin of it will be greater than you can imagine. Now, we need to think carefully about how to apply this. Now, I want us to start on the front end. Whenever we start talking about suffering or trials, there's always a certain number of people that are in the midst of a stormy day in their life. And if that's you, uh, please don't take from the rest of this sermon a checklist of things that you're going to go out and do to try and make your grief go away, to make you not feel your pain. Uh, not only will that not work, it might well make your spiritual journey significantly more difficult. If you're in the middle of a trial and suffering, what you need to hear right now is that you can trust our, your Lord Jesus and that he has comfort and understands what it is to suffer. Uh, so if that's the case, just trust him as best you can and lean on other Christians and there'll be time to do the foundation work we're going to be talking about here. The other, uh, the other caveat I need to give here is that I can't assume that everyone here who hears these words is in fact someone that is self-consciously following Jesus. Uh, you might be surprised to hear this, but um, it, there are a number of non-Christians who know they are not Christians and yet love reading the Bible and even hearing sermons like this one. Uh, I've had the experience several times of someone who identifies as a non-Christian hearing me preach the gospel and 
explain an entire passage and afterward coming up and telling me, thank you. I, I learned so much. That was very encouraging. And um, I'm, I'm thankful that I'm connecting with them. That's a good thing. And yet, just hearing Jesus' words will not ultimately do you any good. Now, you have to match hearing his words with faith and the sort of faith that leads to action. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, uh, would you just hear this basics of the words that Jesus left us? That would be the entire Bible. Uh, Jesus left us a message you could summarize as both good news and bad news. Uh, the bad news is that you're a sinner, just like every human that's ever lived. And in fact, your sins are so bad that you are an enemy of God. That bad news gets worse because there's nothing you could do to ever work off the guilt of your sins. Uh, even living out all the commands Jesus gives you, none of that will ever make you right with God. But the bad news is outweighed by the good news that while we deserve God's punishment and surely would have faced it if God left us to ourselves, that same God is full of love and mercy and sent this Jesus to come and rescue us. Uh, not to just teach us some principles or inspire us, but to save us, to give his life as a substitute. That's what the cross that Christians talk about so much is all about. Uh, Jesus willingly giving up his life to pay the penalty for sinners. And the good news is that penalty he paid was paid in full. So if you put your trust in him and you repent of your sins, every single one of your sins will be wiped away and you will never face the judgment of God. And the best news of all is Jesus didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And that's a promise that you too can experience life with God forever. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, uh, please don't make the very common misunderstanding that people have about Christianity, that it's a religion about doing enough things to make you right with God. And we're going to talk about how you build your life on the words of Jesus. But that only starts if you have found salvation in him. Now, with that said, for us who are believers this morning, I'm going to break down our application into three sections, three things that I think would help us as we think about building our life on the words of Jesus. Those are how you listen, how you live out, and what you live through. So first, how you listen. I don't know how much you've thought about how you listen to sermons. Uh, the fact that you are here in this room this morning means that you are at least in somewhat in the habit of listening to a sermon. Um, but it, there is a common set of misconceptions about what we are doing as a church when we get together. Um, there are some churches where you'd be forgiven for thinking a sermon is kind of like a spiritual pep talk. Um, it's designed to maybe give you a few life principles, certainly to inspire you, but not to get all that concerned with the details of the Bible. I hope you notice that we as a church don't treat sermons that way. We, we try and work verse by verse through the Bible for a very specific reason. The authority of God's word does, uh, is not uh, upon you based on a preacher, but whether that word is in line with the words that have been left to us by Jesus. Uh, you see, Jesus said a lot of things, and he inspired the entire Bible through his Holy Spirit. And that means every time you study the Bible or listen to a sermon like this one that's based on the Bible, 
It is the authority of Jesus that is confronting you, not the opinions or experiences of a preacher. Now, let me just point out, that's one very good reason when you listen to a sermon to have a Bible and have it open. Um, I actually love it as a preacher when I see people's heads go down, provided they are looking at their Bibles. <laughs> you don't have to take my or any other preacher's word for it. You can look for yourself. Am I saying the same things that Jesus left us in the words he gave us? If I'm not, then feel free to disregard them. But if I am, then you are under an obligation to listen first and foremost. Uh, one strategy, if you're convinced you need to listen, but maybe you struggle with it. Let's be honest, 35 minutes of sitting and listening could be a lot. We live in a distracted age with little sound bites. Uh, so it could be a little bit jarring to have to sit and listen to one guy for so long. I understand that. Um, some things that people find helpful, uh, some principles of active listening. One small thing of actually coming physically to church and not being on the video stream, as wonderful as that is, is eye contact. Uh, did you know that when someone looks at you and you look at them, different areas of your brain actually light up? and you are more likely to remember what they said. Uh, there's a reason I'm looking around at you. It's not just to check up to see what you're up to. My hope is for you to remain engaged, for you to remember so that one day you can live out the very words that Jesus gave us. Um, other Christians find it helpful to write down notes, either in their Bibles or we actually give you room on the back of the bulletin. I think that's a very fruitful thing to do. Uh, I personally don't go back and look at a lot of my notes just the way my mind works, but I write them uh, because it helps me to remember when I do. It helps me to be active in the listening experience. As things come to mind, questions you haven't, don't have time to think about, action steps that we'll get to in a second, jot them down. Circle a word in your Bible. Do what you can to remain engaged. If you have the expectation that these are the words Jesus gave us, that you need to live your life on to be ready for those stormy days to come, then listen like they matter. Now, of course, don't fall into the trap of thinking that listening well enough is going to make you some super Christian that will never suffer or never cry or have any difficult days. Uh, remember the way Jesus told the parable. Building on his words is what gives us the strength. That means the strength comes from Jesus not our obedience. And yet, what is the instrument he uses to bring about that strength in our life? It is the very words that we have here that he left for us in the Bible. So if you're coming to church and you frankly kind of half listen to sermons or you haven't thought much about how to make sure you're actually hearing these words, I invite you to take a moment uh, maybe this week and come up with some ways that you can be a more active listener. Uh, maybe that's getting to bed a little earlier the night before church. Maybe that's having a conversation with someone before you leave the church about something you heard. There's a million different ways you can do it. Well, let's make sure we actually hear what Jesus says. That's the first step. The second step, living it out. It's not enough just to hear it. It does you no good unless you actually take actions based on it. It is very easy to edit out parts of the Bible that are uncomfortable to us. But usually, 
uh, the parts that prick our consciences are the parts we need the most. Uh, think about all the things that Jesus has taught us this sur- uh, summer on the Sermon on the Plain. My guess is that some of those things have been more challenging for you to hear and consider and certainly to live out. But chances are those very things are the things God wants you to focus on the most. And it'll be most fruitful if you actually do live them out. Uh, Jesus told us that we are to learn to see ourselves from the vantage point of heaven. Uh, To not measure what God thinks of us based on how much money we have or what people think of us. Or even if we're happy or grieving. But instead to remember that we are truly blessed if we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, maybe that's difficult for you because you have the sort of heart that so easily is down on yourself and dwells on negative thoughts. Could be that's what God has wanted you to focus on during this sermon series. Or what about the challenging things Jesus told us about the heart of heaven we're supposed to have? We're supposed to love our enemies, to be gracious to people that are not gracious to us, to be merciful to all. We're supposed to even be non-judgmental towards people that seem to be in the wrong to us. Now, maybe one part or the other of that makes you more uncomfortable. Chances are that's what God wants you to live out. Or maybe last week it was Pastor Eric teaching us about how the things we treasure in our heart inevitably show themselves in the words we say and the actions we do. The question of what are we treasuring, does that make you feel uncomfortable? Maybe that's precisely what God wants you to reckon with and take some steps to build your life on Christ and not on anything else. Uh, You see, the Word of God has this incredible effect. As a preacher, I get to see it week after week. You know, I stand up in front of 300-odd people between the two services. Uh, I preach one text. And I do the best I can to try and apply it to different types of people in the congregation, not, not just all the older folks, not just all the younger folks, not just one socioeconomic background, I'm trying to do as much as I can to everyone. But I can't hit everybody. But it's amazing, God doesn't miss anyone. Uh, he, through his Holy Spirit, is applying the word to your heart, even in ways that I never think through. I realize you are just as bound by those applications of the Spirit as the ones that I say. The question you need to reckon with is what will you do with his words? I hope you want to live them out. And if so, let me give you some suggestions. Um, One of the best tools you have are the members of the church right alongside you. Um, I love going to our small group. Um, Oftentimes we're preaching, talking about the same passage that I preached on Sunday. But almost always, the applications that we make in small group are not exactly the same. Sometimes they're very different, which is wonderful for me as a preacher because I walk away just as challenged as all as you are on Sunday. Uh, You can do that same thing even if you're not in a small group. If you get together with another member of our church and you talk about the passage in the Bible that you're studying in your devotions or something from the sermon on Sunday and and you talk about a specific action step that you're going to take. You know, there's a great benefit to having another Christian hear what you're thinking and how you're processing. You encourage them in that moment. And sometimes when you're on ba- off base, they actually help correct you to get back on. So let me encourage you, find ways to get together with other members of our church 
and talk about not just what you've heard, but what you're going to do as a result. How's your life going to change? How are you going to build on top of the firm foundation that you have in the words of Jesus? Uh, some people find it fruitful to write down lists of things that they intend to do as a response to the word they hear. Uh, my only advice would be to just uh, not overdo it. Uh, we can usually focus on one or two things at a time, not 12. Um, be realistic and yet trust that what Jesus says is true. That even if it's imperceptible at the moment, that as you build your life on his words, that you're preparing yourself for the stormy days that will surely come. We are to listen and we are to live it out. Now, let me just stop here and say that if you're here this morning and you count yourself a Christian, you call upon Jesus as Lord, but you have not been making any effort to live out his words. Friend, you are in a dangerous place indeed. And Jesus, very graciously this morning, is warning you. Before it's too late, change the direction your life is going. Stop building on the faulty foundation and start building on his words before the stormy days of trial come. Jesus is gracious to warn us so soberly because he knows what is undoubtedly true. Sooner or later, suffering will come for all of us. This brings us to our last application, how you live through it. If you're younger, it's tempting to think that you're never going to have anything really hard happen to you. Maybe you're younger and you've already found that to not be true about life. It's been said that if you live long enough, you'll suffer. And that's true. It's inevitable. Uh, we are fallen people who live in a fallen world with the effects of sin inside us and around us, uh, both our own hearts as well as the hearts of other sinners, as well as just the reality that everything breaks and dies one day. All of it adds up to, at some point or the other, the storm clouds of trials coming for us. The question is, will we, we be ready for it? And where will we draw strength to keep standing through it? Uh, Jesus is teaching us here that if you do this work to actively build your life upon his words, when that day of trial comes, you will shake and you'll quake, but you'll not break. As a pastor, I've seen this happen multiple times in our church family's uh, life over these last five years. Uh, it's one particular sister that uh, as a member here moved to Florida years ago. Uh, by the time I met her, the season of trial was already pretty far in the rearview mirror, but it was a severe one. Um, her husband, while he was just sitting in his car, was seemingly randomly shot and killed. Senseless murder, just out of the blue. Now, as you might expect, she went through an intense season of grief. Uh, at times, it seems like she was shaking and quaking, but she never quite broke. Uh, all the time she had spent reading God's word and building her life upon it provided the foundation she needed to remain faithful. And by the time I met her, she was even honestly able to say that she was joyful 
what the life that she'd had in the Lord. Uh, brothers and sisters, I don't know what types of trials you might have lived through already. Uh, maybe you've felt the Lord's strength beneath you through a severe trial, and you've got a testimony of your own to be able to tell one day. Or, or maybe you've gotten to the point where the shaking and the quaking was so severe that you were sure the house was coming down, and yet somehow or the other, you held together. Uh, regardless of how it is, you're here this morning, and that's a testament to what Jesus is saying being true. A life built on his words is the safest life of all. Uh, maybe we'll still have many tears shed, and maybe we'll find uh, much calamity in this world, but our souls will be safe and secure because they have the surest foundation of all, Jesus himself. Now, if you're here this morning and you're on the younger end of things, one thing you can usefully do to prepare yourself for living through suffering is to be proactive about seeing how other Christians have done this faithfully. Uh, one of the things I love about our church is the age range that the Lord has blessed us with. Uh, we have all the way down to newborns and teenagers and students and young adults uh, through middle-aged and empty nesters and retirees, all present in our church body. Uh, so if you're younger, however you define that, my challenge to you is to find an older Christian in our church. Uh, maybe it's someone with graying hair or maybe that doesn't have much hair left even. Um, and I want you to ask them, has God brought you through anything difficult in your life as a Christian? Would you tell me the story of how he did it? I guarantee you it will be worth your time. Now, at the same time as I say that to those of you who are older, however you define that, I have put an obligation on you when that moment comes, uh, do not be silent about the grace you've received. It's going to require some vulnerability on your part. Now, please make sure that as you tell the story of how you found the words of Jesus to be a firm foundation for you, that you give him the credit and don't put the uh, spotlight on yourself. But realize this is one of the blessings of the body of Christ, that we get to learn from each other the truth that we read and hear together. So take, a, take them up on the challenge, and if someone comes asking you, joyfully tell them of what the Lord's done in your life. And if you are in the midst of suffering right now, I know just talking about it's probably been hard. Just remember the character of our Lord Jesus. He knows what it is to suffer. He didn't shy away from it. He didn't suffer because he deserved it. Uh, but he did it so he could identify with us as we do, and so he could save us from eternal suffering. So even if you can't do anything else right now, can you at least trust Jesus that he'll give you the strength you need to get through this, and that someday, even if it's only the day when he returns, the dark clouds of trials will break and you'll see his smiling face again. Brothers and sisters, if you build your life on the words of Jesus, you might shake and quake, but you'll not break. You'll find his strength sustaining you in your time of suffering. I once had the privilege of watching a faithful family go through an extreme trial. They were uh, a young couple that had built their marriage on the foundation of the words of Jesus from the very beginning. They met in church. 
They tried their best to live out what the Bible said about how to live a Christian marriage. They weren't perfect people. They weren't the most mature Christians in the world, but they absolutely were actively building their lives on the words of Jesus. So they were overjoyed when a blessing from the Lord came, a little bundle of joy to arrive a few months later, their first child. They did all the things that expecting parents do. They, they got all the baby clothes and the various equipment you need to be able to prepare your house for that. Day finally came, and when the baby arrived, that's when they noticed the dark clouds and the howling wind. Uh, their baby boy was born with tumors all over his body, and he was quickly given a diagnosis of an extremely rare type of brain cancer that was untreatable. He only lived a few days, and heartbroken, but clinging to each other and to the Lord, they said goodbye to their little boy. And though they shook, though they quaked, they did not break. They trusted him through it. That was hard enough. And a few years later, they got to the point where they were ready to see if the Lord might bless them with another child. But beforehand, they wanted to go to the doctors and make sure that there wasn't some sort of genetic issue that was, had caused this. So they saw a number of specialists, and they were assured this was an extremely rare type of cancer. As far as anyone knew, the best experts in the world, there was, there was no genetic link that they were as safe as anyone to have a baby. So with fear and trepidation, they did. And the Lord granted them a second child. Uh, they had all sorts of scans to check the health of the baby along the way, as you might imagine. And their joy was full on the day their baby boy arrived. He is, was the picture of health, a Gerber baby with smile to match. They thanked the Lord for the blessing and went about the busy life of young parents. Until one day, the husband was changing their baby boy's diaper. When he turned away for a second, and their baby boy rolled off the bed and fell and hit his head. They rushed to the ER. They were relieved when the doctors told them it was just a minor bruise, that he was okay. But they felt those same winds howling, and they could feel the dark clouds coming in when the doctor told them that the brain scan had revealed a tumor. Pretty soon they'd found that it was a second type of rare brain cancer, unrelated to the first. This time there was a treatment, though. So they did what any parent would do. They threw themselves into prayer, and they sought out the best medical advice you could get. They got the, one of the few specialists of this type of cancer in the world to treat their child. Uh, they were on the local news raising money. There were literally thousands of Christians praying for them around the world. Despite all the prayers and all the best care, though, the treatment didn't work. And a few months after they were given their beautiful boy, they buried him as well. Now, you might think that something like that would break a family. That a, a storm of that magnitude would surely break apart the house that they had built, even upon the words of Jesus. Uh, but I watched, little by little, even as they would shake and quake, they didn't break. They clung to each other and they clung to the Lord and day by day, he gave them the strength to stand when nothing else in this world could. 
now they live in Florida. They have two adoptive children and a growing number of grandchildren seemingly by the day. And they are a walking testimony that if you build your life on the words of Jesus, you'll stand through the most severe of all trials. Uh, brothers and sisters, I don't know what dark clouds will one day be on your horizon. But I do know this. If you'll build on the words of Christ, if you'll trust him enough to make him your everything, when that day comes, you'll find a strength not from yourself, but from your Lord. You might shake, you might quake, but you'll not break because the strength of Jesus will keep you standing. In a moment, we're going to sing a song about how Jesus is our safe place, even our firm foundation. I just want to read this one stanza of the song we're going to sing. His oath, his covenant, his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Put your trust in Jesus and build your life on his words. Let's pray. Jesus, we trust you to provide the strength that we lack in ourselves, uh, that the word that you have given us is sufficient for the trials that will come, no matter how severe they might be. that even in the moment when we might shake and quake, will not break because your grace will sustain us and your strength will keep us standing. So Jesus, would you keep us listening and living out your word together? Uh, would you help us to encourage each other and reminding each other as the days go on that the safe place for our souls is found in you and the foundation you've provided us in your word. Uh, Jesus, as we now turn our attention to singing now, would you give us faith and even a sense of joy to sing of all we have in you. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. <laughs>